Presented by 3D Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, luckily enough today, I am joined by the one and only, the infamous, many times PBR Canada, CFR bullfighter, Ty Prescott. And for those of you that don't know, uh, my good friend Ty Prescott, me and him uh, go back many, many years uh, together through the amateur associations, through um, just life uh, in general, buck and bulls, all that sort of stuff. He's got one of the coolest stories that, that you're ever going to hear. Uh, and just very, very happy to have Ty on the show. Ty, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So let's let's just jump right into it, I guess, right off the hop. Um, where did you come from? How, where did where did, uh, where did rodeo, where did uh, life start for Ty Prescott as a young guy? Are you always from Strathmore? Or yeah, born and raised. Uh, well, I was born in Calgary, but raised in Strathmore. Um, my grandparents, they owned and ran a feedlot there in Strathmore, so I grew up working cattle all my life, and, uh, yeah, and then eventually fell in love with the bucking bulls and started raising bulls when I was about 10, and, and uh, steers, rode steers, and, and tried to ride bulls, but wasn't very good at it, and uh, then kind of fell in bullfight. So, uh, let's go back to your, your steer riding career. You were a... Uh, Calgary Stampede champion. No, no. Uh, Canadian finals champion. Canadian finals champion. 1999. Okay, 99. Yes, sir. At CFR, Edmonton, Rexall. Yes, sir. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> who, uh, who in that era? Who, who did you um, ride steers with? Who was the the boys at that time? Oh, there's Tyler Panquitz, uh, Cordell Griffith, Dusty Roberts, Fergus McPhee. Um, oh shit. Who else was? Bunch of boys. Yeah. yeah. Your brother Jesse Burns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a bunch of the boys. Yeah. So that generation. So the Panquits, uh What year were you born? Eighty six. Eighty five. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Jesse is an eighty six model. Yes, sir. Um, so then you went on to ride bulls in the FCA or, or rode FCA, and then I rode a little bit in the PBR, but I was definitely. I heard you rode pretty good. 
I've never seen you ride. I rode all right. If they went one way, if they went left, I could ride them. But if they went right, I was usually going left. Were you left hand down? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you liked them into your office? Yeah. And if they didn't go, I didn't really like to be around them, so I'd just jump off. Real Joao Ricotta Vieta (laughs) into the office. And during that that bull riding career, or that steer riding career as well, you got into um, the bucking bull business. Yes, sir. Correct? I was, I think, 11 when I bought my first cow. And what was that? Just a cow I bought out of the feedlot. She was a Bama cow coming to the feedlot. I seen her, so we bucked her. Bucked her out of the old Bama chute at the feedlot, and she bucked, so I bought her. And just kind of started off with that. And within a couple of years, I think I had five, six cows. And, and then at one point, I had just about 185. Or Holy shit. Yeah. Bucking cows. Yes, sir. What about, um, I'm slipping the name right now, but some of the best ones that you've had, you've had uh, that went south, what was it? Goose, goose on the moose. We called him Disturbia up here, and then we had True Blood. Uh, did we actually bought him? Uh, then there was in the club. He was a ranch raised. Um, Southside Fade was a ranch raised. Hippie Tricks. Um, oh, right now we got a book called Trapped. 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 Oh, yeah, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, cool. Betsy. He's one of mine and Ranch. Well, my dad and, and mine. Do you remember when fucking uh, proper rip? Almost killed me at uh, Merritt at Fozzie's Bull Riding. Yes, I do you remember now. that. I forgot <laughs> all about that. I, li- I I remember that boy. He came out. Uh, the he came to PA. I rode him as like a three-year-old. Yeah. He was just a calf, like and I shanked him. Fucking spurred him down. It was great, and then uh, just reckless confidence getting on him the next time. Out the other delivery too, so I knew he was gonna be right in the door. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll just rear back and spear this thing in the fucking face, and just pow, knock me out cold. And lied on Remember you, that? rolled on you. Yep. Oh, it was so I dangerous. Do. That was a that was a really great bull, hey, for a long time. And what was he? Was a uh, what was he? Bucking bull of the finals, and he was an already platinum son. He wa- already platinum. We forgot yes, to talk about him too. Four, yep. And where did he go? Where did already platinum go? Already platinum, I eventually, we bred some cows with him, he got hurt or whatever, so we started breeding with him, and then I traded uh, him to Derek Adams for for U1, True Blood, and uh, Smoke Show, and a couple other bulls that never really made it. Yeah. So where's the cows now? Do you still got cows? Or? Yeah, I got, uh, I think there's about 40 head at my house, and then I got 35 up at Nansen's that me and Nansen are partners on. Cool. Yes, sir. Cool. Okay, so let's uh, let's get into your story a little bit. So so through the through your life through the the career of steer riding, transitioning into bull riding, and transitioning into bullfighting from there, uh, it hasn't been the easiest one. No, definitely wasn't. Uh, I had some ups and downs. Like not even so much with the sport is just in uh, life with drugs and some addiction problems and. Yeah, I had uh, had a pretty pretty rough road there. All kind of self-induced. No, wasn't no rhyme or reason behind why I did it or or anything like that. I was just kind of a guy that liked to try try everything twice, and if I liked it enough, I'd fucking do it three <laughs> or four <laughs> times. Yeah, and, and from being around you, I I know that about you, right? There's always that uh, that uh, demon, or you know, there's something. Yeah on the inside that that kind of keeps you ticking in in a sense and and we can talk about it now and and that's why i really wanted to get you on here and, and talk to you about it is you've come through the other side and, and uh um 
have a great career now and, and one of the best bullfighters in the game and uh it's it's it really is a, a success story but um the originality of it behind it there there was some very there were some very tough days yes sir uh, it got to where i was shoving needles in my arm um i was staying up for anywhere from nine to 14 days straight with absolutely no sleep um i mean put my family through you know i can't can't even speak for them but i know it wouldn't have been very enjoyable because i wasn't a very enjoyable person in them times uh that was a full-blown drug addict yeah so uh, just from an outsider myself um how does that how does like how does that happen where did it where like do you remember like how it started or, or was it just like trying it with a buddy or, or it all kind of just started out as fun yeah like one of them things you try one thing and and you think fuck because somebody else is doing it and and you don't mind it and you always i remember always saying i'd never ever smoke meth i'd never ever do coke and uh there for a while that was all i fucking did i yeah. mean i was shoveling it up my nose like crazy really so it just kind of it's kind of like those old fucking uh um classes in school where they talk about don't try it once you know you know yeah. it'll get you for forever type yeah. of thing is that kind of how it went or um for me it kind of was like i say it started out as fun and then it turned into a habit and then it turned into a lifestyle where i couldn't function without it like right. because once you get on the pipe it, um shit you you'll uh you ain't going to sleep for at least two days as soon as you try that stuff like you're up it's like coffee and red bull times a thousand yeah. and uh yeah it got pretty pretty dark some days pretty hairy yes sir so how how uh how many years would that have that have went on for that lifestyle? Well, the first time I went to rehab, I was 22, and I went for cocaine, and I kind of kicked that for a while, and then eventually it came back, and then uh, I honestly can't remember the. I can remember the very first time I tried smoking meth, but I can't remember when I decided it was a good idea to continue smoking it. Really. Uh, yeah, I've been asked in rehab lots, and, and the best answer I could give them is it just started out as fun and, and uh, turned into a, a habit. Full-blown addiction. Yeah. yeah. And then it fucking just takes over, and you're... Took over. I mean, gone. I just about lost my family. Um, my my dad was ready to boot me right off the place if I didn't go, go get help. And uh, so crazy with the rodeo world, you'd think, uh with the drugs and it just doesn't run hand in hand and uh you wouldn't think anybody would support you and when i come out into the open and uh i actually called brock radford and told him i, I needed some help um really yeah and i mean the support was overwhelming like i mean i had people coming left right and center trying to help me and i couldn't have done it without all yep. of them boys wow and i'm sure we can get into the full story here in a bit with how they uh got me back on track and and the people that were involved and yeah let's do it because there was there was i remember it was after um uh type osborne would have passed away mm -hmm. and um you know that hit me hard yeah that's that we were we all ran in the same circle you know and that's we're all best of buddies and uh great times together and and that fucks with everybody mm -hmm. um right and especially our 
internal group, yourself included, um, hugely, right? Big time. Because there was, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on, you know, while he was alive and while it was all, while he was still rolling and winning and, and then when he passed away and then um, everybody kind of just, we all kind of went our own separate ways, right? Yep. And I think that's kind of human nature, I guess, like myself, I had to just um, distance myself from kind of everything that, even bull riding, I hated bull riding for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, d- I just tried to, um, anything that reminded me of him, it made me have a bad day because made I would think sad. about him all the time. Made me fucking sad, mm-hmm. right? And I think same you, same as Patton, um, all the boys, right? It just crushed us yeah. all. It was like, l- literally, that was probably the first time I've ever experienced a loss. Like, uh, I'm very fortunate. All my family's still alive, like my my two, my grandma and my grandpa on my mom's side, they're gone now, and my grandpa on my dad's side is gone. But other than that, that was the first real significant loss I've ever had in my life was Ty. He, that guy pushed me and believed more in me than I even believed in myself. That guy made me better every day, and there's times I didn't think I could do things, and Ty would tell me that you can do it. And, and he was actually, in my sobriety, he's a big, big part. He plays a big part. He doesn't know it. Yeah, I'm sure he's looking yeah. down, and he does, but uh, he played a bigger role than than anybody even knows. Really? Like for me, yeah. Mindset-wise? just Mindset, and I just felt like when I was actually... Well, I remember when he was alive, too, and he'd be texting you, and he'd be like, you gotta get off that fucking shit, man. It's gonna kill you. He was you on know? me when I finally come clean and I told him that I was on it he texted me every day or called me and be like hey what do we do how do we get you off it like he was he was really the last six eight months he was alive he was I mean trying to get me the help I needed and yep. when he passed away that was kind of the turning point for me and, and it was about a month after I remember I was sitting in Manson Vold's yard and uh I was just getting ready to bang a bang a thing of meth into my vein, and uh, Kevin West called me. Really? And Kevin, uh, he was pretty choked up, and he just got off the phone with my dad, and, and uh, he called me and said, "Hey, we want the old tie back." Um, and I guess going back when I had that needle in my arm, Kevin. Whenever Kevin calls, I thought it was had something to do with the boys, right? Yeah. So. I took it out of my arm and I set it on the thing and I answered it and it turned out Kevin was calling to talk about me and, and getting clean and, and that him and my dad had been chatting and uh, it was crushing my dad and uh, so I remember getting off the phone with Kevin and I l- pulled out of Nansen's driveway and I just started driving. I didn't really know where I was going or what I was doing but I was just driving and I got, uh, I remember I got to Airdrie and I got in between there's a way scale in between Airdrie and Balzac mm-hmm. overpass. And I remember that's where I called Brock. And I, s- I called him and I said, hey, man, I think I need some help. And Brock, he said, man, I'm so happy. He said, I've been waiting two and a half years for you to tell me this. He says, you pick a date and we'll make it happen. And, uh, I mean, Brock just ended the procrastinating for me. Uh, he, I give him a date and him... It was Brock Radford, Lonnie West, Todd Chedowitz, Tristan Collier, and Bryce West showed up to my house with my dad and my sister and uh, pretty much told me I didn't, if I wanted to have any of them people in my life, it was piss or get off the pot and it was time to get clean. And uh, so them boys, they 
We come in the house, and they said, you're going to sit here. All seven of us are going to talk, and you ain't going to say a fucking word. And when we're done talking, you get a chance to speak. And I remember really clearly Lonnie West, and something that sticks with me to this day, Lonnie West said, I love you, Prescott. You're one of my best friends. But he said, I can't continue to hang out with you if you're going to do this. He said, if you hang with shit long enough, you'll start to stink like shit. And I don't want to stink like shit. Not a bad one, either. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, them boys, I mean, they've, they, I remember they, I flew home from T.P. Creek with my dad. My dad come up to T.P. Creek. It was an Alpha Bull event. Yep. And Brock and my dad had kind of been talking and had this in the mix and that's why my dad flew up with me to make sure I made it home on that Sunday and stuff and I didn't know this was all happening but so I get home and an and interventionist sorry like pardon an, like an intervention yeah sorry, it was an intervention yeah. and then boys drove all the way from uh DP Creek all living in different parts of the of Alberta and Saskatchewan and Canada and uh they drove 11 12 hours out of their way to Make sure I can. Oh, cool. And then where'd you go? What? Uh um, so we went to a, a dry out place the next morning at uh, 4.30 a.m., which is when you get clean um, or before you can start a rehabilitation program, you've got to be clean for seven days. Yeah. So you got to go to the uh, dry out place. And when I got there, I ended up getting into a, a fight and an argument. No with way. Uh, you got in a fight? <laughs> With the security guard. So Never I heard of you getting in a fight before. Yeah. <laughs> and so before I even got in, I was kicked out. And so me and my dad, we were arguing in the parking lot, I remember. And I said, I'm, I'm not fucking going to one of these jail places. I'll go jail out at my mom's basement. And uh, so my dad drove me there. I went and jailed out. And I remember at Posey's funeral, Tyler Thompson come up to me. And he said, Tyler, I do not want you getting back on the shit. And I said, oh, no, I've, I've been clean for three years, which was, was a bald-faced lie. I looked him right in the eye and lied to him, and it was something that bothered me. I really respected Tyler, and I respect how he handles things. And and uh, so I sent him a message, and I said, uh, Tyler, I just want you to know and, and hear it from my mouth that I straight-up lied to you. Uh, I've been addicted to crystal meth for the last three years, but I'm going to get some help. And... Uh, that was at about 10 o'clock at night, and uh, he texted me back at 4.30 in the morning. He said, you call me as soon as you wake up. And by the time I called him, Tyler and Sheena had uh, had already talked about it and, and said that I should come stay with them. And that was probably one of the best things for me because there ain't no bullying Tyler. There ain't no pushing around. It was get clean and and he held me accountable and there were some good days and some bad days but it definitely made me who i am today and you you and tyler have a long history of bowls and stuff right yes sir big time tyler's been my idol since i was like a little boy he's just that he's kind of the definition of cowboy like he's tough he's truthful he's honest he's blunt he's just a cowboy and he will hold you accountable just like he holds everybody else accountable. Yeah. So then so then living with Tyler and them, then where did it go from there? Then I went back home, um, stayed at my place. I finally got to move back into my place, and uh, I just started focusing back on... Back at the ra- at Strathmore? Yeah, at the ranch? back at our place at the ranch. And then I just started focusing on bullfighting and, uh, and getting 
getting healthy and clean and, and straightening up my life. And it was went to lots of A meetings, NA meetings, CA meetings, which NA Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, oh really? Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, I went to lots of them and uh, hit the gym real hard. And uh, my bullfighting went from pretty, pretty okay to really good. I think. Yeah. I think I'm a lot better now than I ever was. Yeah. So, um, so then getting getting back in the game, getting back um, sober, and then having to go back and and do your job again. Was it? How was life, I guess, uh, in, uh, in in exchange from living that way that you lived for fucking what ten years? Calmer, yeah, right. Very calm, um, very clear, a lot more clear. Uh, like even in the arena, I mean, everything just slowed down for me. Things weren't going fast. It was just, and I'm sure you could even seen the difference just in my body language and just me in general. Like I. You could barely even hold a conversation with me before because I was twitching out and fucking acting like a fucking meth head. <laughs> I remember going to, uh, we've all we've had some really good times at fucking that uh, Fonz Bonds and at your place and stuff. And I remember you just used to live in your truck. Yeah. Do you remember that? Lived there and at right at my arena. All we did was buck bulls. That yeah. was all I did. And when I'd get tired, I'd go sleep in the front seat. And when I'd wake up, I'd go start bucking bulls again. Yeah. And that was three years of that oh. buck more bulls and i remember one time at nansen's me and a friend we bucked 100 and f- 105 bulls in one day <laughs> just going hard in the face. as hard as you could go and i mean that was in 24 hours that's two guys dummy and four-year-old bulls that had were man killers that yeah. come from bob baird and <laughs> rod schellenberg and nansen vold and and yeah, we just buck them. Yeah, and smoke the pipe. So fuck that, crazy. So it's got to feel um, good now to just be uh, kind of have that part of your life behind you and um, rehab stints and and all that shit. Just um, is there ever like a attempt or do you ever feel like going back to it or you know I, I obviously it's an addiction and that's always. Uh, what people worry about is a relapse of some sort. Does it ever cross your mind, or is it something that just totally terrifies you now, or where are you kind of at? Well, I definitely don't want to ever go back to the meth. I, I did kind of relapse, but I just started drinking again and stuff. But I'd quit drinking for a year before I ever. So I guess you wouldn't s- call, call it a relapse. Like, I never went back on the drugs, but I definitely drank, and, and it and had beers with the boys and stuff, but it was once I, once I knew I kind of had a, had it controlled and, and that I could go out and, and have beers with the boys because there for a while, like, um, I couldn't go out anywhere and, uh, without somebody like Brock would either be with me or Lonnie or, yep. or somebody just to kind of keep an eye on me. And I mean, when you're 35 years old and you got uh 21 year old kids fucking, or 30 years old and got 21 year old kids fucking babysitting you yeah it kind of humbles you a little bit and and that was a big thing for me but like them boys showing up and you got a bunch of kids showing up trying to get a full-grown man to grow up that's when you know you got people that actually love you and care for you care about you yeah and want to see you succeed and and that's the coolest thing about rodeo and the pbr and, and the family that you build that that isn't blood that becomes as tight as blood. Yeah. I mean, 
I know I could call you if I was in a bind outside, no matter what kind of bind, and you'd be there, vice versa. And yeah. I think that goes for 90% of the people on the program that way. Yeah. You, um, do you remember it, uh, Tyler Thompson's wedding when we opened that? Yeah, we were just slap fighting. <laughs> fucking, yeah, I remember that. You smacked the fuck out of me. So you uh, you took some, did you ever take boxing lessons? Yeah, I was in boxing for about six, seven years. My Uncle Terry was a boxing coach for 20 plus years. He was, eh? Yes, sir. So that kind of makes sense that most of the stories that I have of, of me and you were outside after the bar is closed One of down. my favorite stories <laughs> ever was uh, at Hannah. Ty <laughs> yeah, Fosbon wins the car, and uh, I was gonna say it was either me and you fighting each other or fighting someone else. Yeah, if we, there was nobody we're else stopping to fight, you from beating Chant up. And I remembered Chant wins that car. He wins about eight hundred dollars in the bull riding, and uh, we decide we're gonna celebrate. So me, yourself, your wife Megan, and uh, girlfriend I had at the time, and Fosbon all go out to. Uh, this little bar, and we're the only ones in there. And I remember Sunday, Sunday night, yeah, and Hannah. $1,200 tab. Fozzie paid it. He fucking, the tab was more than the than he won at the bull riding. Lots of it, yeah. And somehow the good night turned into a fucking wreck. I think, I think he paid the tab, and then uh, he didn't tip anything, and he was expecting us to tip. Yeah. And, uh, you give him shit for not tipping. Something like that. And then I took it on myself to fucking try to fight you because you were telling him that he didn't tip good enough. And then, oh, it turned, I'll escapade. never forget it, though, because I remember I got you, you kind of hemmed up, and I'm holding you back from pausing. Chance standing behind me, and he comes right up over my shoulder and cracks you right in the fucking Punches mouth. right in the mouth. Yep. You're just, I'll never forget it. You're like, Trent. Did you just fucking hit me? And I look behind me and Chance bouncing around like Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> Maybe I did, Tanner. Maybe I did. <laughs> and I remember the cops come because Trent, he went and rented rented our girlfriend's room and rented himself a room because he didn't want to stay with me and you. Nope. And then we couldn't find him. And then we called the cops because... Uh, the front desk lady was gonna call the cops on me. Well, and the you. cops had remember that when we were out, we like the the our fighting escapade when Trent punched me too. There was like a good hour and a half, <laughs> two hour escapade outside oh, in right. Hannah where there it's Sunday night where there's nothing going on. And that cop came like three times. Remember, he's like, if I have to come back I'm one more you. time. I'm arresting you guys. <laughs> like we, this is enough. And we're like, no, we're fine. We're buddies. We're buddies. And then we get back in the fight again. Yeah. And he's come back. Like, guys, serious. Then we get back to the hotel and we can't, we can't, we can't find, find him. And then he got the <laughs> then he's got the so we get the cops to go find him, and they finally find him. And I remember looking through the window and he's fuck. They wouldn't let us in the room. Yeah, we so were like, we just need to know that he's okay. We need to know that he's alive. Cause yeah, he took off and on he it. was on his back. And I remember we just wanted him on his side in case he puked or whatever, yep. so that way he didn't fucking choke <laughs> on it. So the cops went in there and rolled him on the side and showed us through the windows and then sent us back to our room. <laughs> then he phones me. I booze blues obviously the next day. I'm driving home and I'm like, oh my god, that was not good. And Megan's giving me shit and. Uh, I get a call from him, and he's like, hey, are we okay? I'm like, um, yeah, I thought I was guilty. He thought he was guilty. Yeah, we both I thought, thought we were guilty. Yeah, we all thought we were going to be mad at each other. He's like, James, I'm so glad. I don't want to be like Shifter and Tyler Thompson. I don't want to <laughs> have that, that battle for the rest of our lives. I just had, had, had uh, futuristic 
uh, mindset that we were not going to like each other anymore. And we were, because we were, and then we're traveling together and fucking best buddies at the time. I was like, I thought it was going to split us apart. We'd never be friends again. <laughs> I remember <laughs> the other thing me and you did during that weekend is there was a busted window in that, uh, that restaurant. Yep. And they had it boarded up, and we were telling Trent that he broke the window. And yeah. remember, he's yeah. just tripping balls, thinking that he had, well, fuck, I got to go pay for this thing now. Like, what am I going to do, boys? And he was, like, ready to go. And he's already 1,200 in the yeah. minuses from the bar tab. <laughs> we just zapped him for a couple hours. Oh, you already paid him? Or I forget what we were telling him. But, uh, yeah, he was stressing pretty hard about that. Oh, jeez, yeah. There was a lot of good times with uh, with our crew and just fucking so bulls at your house, like you say. Um, remember Dakota Peterson's birthday? Me and you went into town and bought, uh, I think, about $900 worth of booze, and we had it all sitting in an old water trough with ice. We bought yeah, yeah about $1,000 worth of ice and booze and everything you could possibly imagine in the liquor store. Yeah. We had a party in Buck Bull. That was a fun day, too. That was a very that? fun day. We had a... We <coughs> had a yeah, we st- started it right early in the morning, and uh, full, uh, yeah, full water trough, full of booze, and I think I got on um, that uh, red and white Herford of yours. Can't remember what he's Herf. called. Herf, yeah, yeah, Herf. <laughs> that, I guess. Got on him first, and then uh, took my shit off and and fought bulls. Did you break your leg? Yeah, though? I broke my ankle that bull. Uh, <laughs> I forget what they called it. What they called yellow rose. Yeah, he was mean too. Yeah, and broke my ankle, and then you started fighting bulls, and I'll never forget you had uh, there was a little black banana horn bull that you just stabbed. Yeah, he was mean too. Yeah, especially. I forget what uh, what we ended up calling him, but you made yeah. some rounds, and he yeah. was hot. I remember Berksy got on him. Yeah. Yeah. And then Berksy was fighting bulls with us too. Yeah, Berksy got run over in the back pen. Yeah. Hey, do you remember at Merritt when um when Berksy when we were all partying for like a few days deep and then he got on that Red Bull and then he it was me. Were you there for that one? Yeah, I was there for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What Chase was, was there. That Red Bull. Uh, it was just a herd bull, but that guy had raised uh. Like he was Pork's bull, wasn't he? No, it was that neighbor guy, and he raised uh, like Border Patrol. They're one of those. Brian Stark? Yeah. Yep. And, and Trent knew him, and he had this, uh, th- it was just a red, nearly a red Angus bull. Yeah. Right? And uh, he's like, I want to buck this thing, and Ty would never let him come over and buck it. And we <laughs> were having a good time. We're like, let's go get that fucker and buck him. We bring him over, and Berks got on him once, yep. and he just loped around the pen. And then uh, Ty's like, don't tell him that we that we bucked him and we'll buck him again when he comes just so that he he knows right <laughs> like okay like we didn't give a fuck yeah. right so we run him back in again and and same thing berksy gets on him again but berksy was trying to just i think he's trying to kill him i don't know we know good he could spur and he was just rearing back and just hammering on this thing and uh down he goes beside him and he's just screaming when he hits the ground we're just ending this thing's life spurring him. <laughs> what is going on? And uh, get to when he popped his kneecap or yeah, something. Yeah, popped his kneecap right yeah. out or something. I remember it was just the most drama-filled freaking event that I've ever been a part of. And all of us are like just sketching. Like, oh, my God, this is not healthy. I don't know. We shouldn't be doing this. Is he okay? Some and of then us were on drugs. Some <laughs> of us were drunk. Some <laughs> of us were sober. Uh, so we get up to the the deck. I remember at, at Pazabon's house. I remember there's all those, all the neighbors and um, it was like you know the bull riding. It was like brought all of they all, the big community always got together, right? There was yes, always sir. like 
30 people at at their house if at not all more times. and they would bring in um uh, rvs and stuff yeah i remember i stayed in an rv yeah and it was me and you and outlaw and outlaw Patty and bow hill yeah, bow yeah. Chill. um shit there's a bunch of other people riley yeah, riley yeah. and his cousin jordy jordy yeah, yeah. yeah. Folkers. so so i remember the the moral of it coming back to it was uh Brixy sitting on the deck and we just ended up Go, we were having like a team roping jackpot or something on the on the roping dummy and remember yeah and he's sitting on the deck just making a scene Berksy was and uh they were like all the concerned aunties and uncles and family it was like a family affair and uh, they're all concerned about him and and uh he goes uh fuck it a bong and a whiskey a bong and a whiskey <laughs> <laughs> just all of us are like, what did he just say? Like, what is happening? Uh, I remember one of the aunties pulls out, um, this is when marijuana was illegal at the time, pulls out like a pill bottle and she had a bunch of joints joy in, trolls in it. Yeah, yes, joints I remember that. We're like, Auntie Carrie, what are you up to? Remember that? She's yeah, like, this I what do. you need? Yeah. And Luke's just trashed. Then it rolls on. He, I don't even know. If he, I don't even think his knee was popped out. I don't even know what was happening at that time. Berg's just a little out of her. And then um, a little while later, uh, Amy, w- we were in that roping jackpot, and if you lost, you had to shotgun a beer. Remember your yep. team? If you lost the, the timed event, you had to you shotgun a beer. And uh, a- uh, Luke's calling Amy back in the house. And uh, Amy goes running in, and she lost. And I was like, Luke, no. Fuck, she's got a shotgun a beer. She lost. She's got a shotgun a beer. Luke goes, shotgun? Shotgun? Runs in the house. <laughs> <laughs> like three minutes later, comes back out with a shotgun <laughs> and starts <laughs> shotgun. How's that for fucking shotgun? <laughs> Holy fuck! That was BC right now. Oh, what are we into? That yeah. was one of my favorite Borans I ever went to, and not so much because of the Boran, but because of the family aspect of it. After and just hanging out with the buddies at the Posbon Ranch and doing shit like that. Yeah, it was it was a week long affair always, eh? It was great, and then boys would come up, Douglas and, and uh, Chase, and you know we'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, tons of fun. Okay, so as we're uh, we're getting to the end, we're here. A um, couple questions that we have on this podcast is um, hashtag NFT. What does that mean to you? No fucking pussy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that that kind of. Um, rolls to it with with you and then what you've been able to overcome through your life right if if uh if you didn't have uh the determination and heart and, and will to to get through what you're in you wouldn't be with us here today no i'd be dead for sure like i always say that to brock i said man if if you wouldn't have done what you did i said it would have been a matter of time before somebody would have just found me sitting on the toilet single oh dude with a motorcycle yeah it's crazy well, buddy, um, for years and years of uh, friendship and, and the, the good times and bad times that we've been through, it's pretty cool to be able to come on the other side and, and uh, get to work with you at all these events. And So cool. You you make it <laughs> cool, too, shit. Huh? Like, a lot of people don't realize when we're out there, we're laughing and giggling the whole fucking time. Yeah. And you make it, yeah, you bring that camaraderie. It's kind of fun out there. It's different than... Um, like even uh, my bull riding side of it, you were always out there in the arena and stuff. But it was always um, you're so focused and you're so like put Kinda yourself like into a yeah mindset of 
of just um, kind of blocking out everything else out around there. And then when uh, I got into the bullfighting game, I mean, you got to, to do it out in the arena and you're always uh, keeping her calm, keeping her cool, and you're joking around and finding different people in the stands and laughing at this guy or that guy. or uh, You know, there's always different aspects that are going on out in the arena. And I think that's kind of key to to the bullfighting game, right, is, is to always um, – you start overthinking things. Um, you know, you probably get, you're going to be a step behind, right? It's just about yeah. reacting, right? Can you attest to that? And being a team, I think the three of us out there, me, you, and Brett, um, I don't think any one of us try to overshadow another one. I think we all work together. If one has to woe up, we woe up. If one has to speed up, we speed up. And, and I think you're only as good as the guys you work with. And I'm pretty lucky. I get to work with some of the best guys been spoiled that way like I've never really had to to work with anybody bad when I first started I was fighting with your brother and your uncle and, and uh or cousin yep. I guess yeah, Scott and Jess yep and then when uh Scotty retired he gave me a lot of his uh his work and um and yeah them guys made me better iron sharpens iron I believe me and you were talking about that last night and and, uh, yeah, just being out there, having a good time, I think it makes it so much easier. You kind of, we know what we're there to do, and we know when we have to do it, and then there's a time to joke and laugh, and then there's a time for business. Yeah. Did you ever think, um, you know, as a as a young junior ski rider and then moving into bull riding and then moving into bullfighting, did you ever think that you would be where you're at today? No, I never even knew I'd be a bullfighter or or at this level fighting with you or or Jesse or or your cousin Scott or Brett Monier. Like I never yeah. I never dreamed I'd be here. Yeah. And every year I've worked to be here it's it's the only place I really want to be. How many times have you gone to the CFR now? Uh once as an ultimate and twice as a bullfighter. Yeah. And then for your Canada? I think this would be my fifth Okay. So what uh what what's the next uh the next goals? What's the next uh on your to do list or on your charts of what you want to do? Or just um, do your job, keep going, or where do you want to go? I'm just kind of just for me, I kind of got a home up here with the, with the bullfighting up here in Canada, and and I'm happy and content where I am, and I got a pretty good career up here. So I just kind of I'm gonna start focusing. I've spent so many years fucking shit up and being a wild man that I'm going to start focusing on the bigger aspects of life like family and I got a girlfriend now that's great and she has a little daughter and, and uh, I enjoy doing things with them and, and uh, hopefully things get back to normal and I can start bringing them on the road and, and I don't know just trying to grow up a little bit I, I know it's sound yeah. cliche yeah. or whatever it is because I'm 35 but it took I'm a 35-year-old kid at yeah, heart. Yeah, a lot of rough years and then that. Yeah, and so now I think I'm, yeah, just going to continue fighting bulls and hopefully get to fight with you for a couple more years, you and Brett, and uh, eventually just kind of do the family thing at home and raise some bucking bulls and, and just chill. Yeah, so what, so during this um, this COVID time, like, uh, you know, when all, like every rodeo, I guess, was canceled in Canada, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, most bull ridings, there was only a few. Um, luckily, we, we were able to have a finals and, and you know, get to go to a few events. Uh, what what did uh, what did you get up to 
during the the time off? What like what was your job? I guess. Well, I got a, a real job for the first time in ten years, and uh, I actually worked for a, a vet just outside of Strathmore on Oliver Sheemus. He he has about six hundred and eighty ba- black cows and uh, cow calf pairs, and feeds about twelve hundred head in the feedlot. And uh, yeah, I started working for him and uh, riding lots of horses. And like I say, uh, my girlfriend moved in in April. Uh, her and her daughter and. Me and her daughter go riding every day. Her daughter's name's Kendra, and, and that's that's kind of our thing. We, we ride horses cool. and, and chase cows. And I mean, my life has really slowed down over the last three years, and it's I'm starting to live like a normal person. Sleeping <laughs> at normal times, waking up at normal times. Yeah. And, and, yeah, just trying to live a, a normal life. I, I, and I don't even like the word normal but just just live a clean healthy life enjoy yeah. what physics you can well has there been um as a you know recovering addict and and in this crazy time of not being able to go and do anything and um i think you kind of put your bullfighting as your addiction right mm-hmm. correct and so in a time when you can't do that has there been tough days has there been times where you're no, it gets frustrating for sure when you can't go and do what you love and, and see all your buddies and be on the road. But for me, I, I'm busier now than I was when I was fighting bulls just with this job. It's seven days a week. And, and uh, I mean, I'm pretty, it's just me and another guy work there, and we run the whole operation. Me and a little Mexican kid named Hazel. And uh, together we we get her done and so there ain't there ain't much downtime for me anymore there was a lot more downtime when i was just fighting bulls compared to yeah. now and yeah it's been good it's i definitely want to get back to fighting bulls i don't like working that yeah. much but uh it's been good it's been just my lifestyle and just me so cool all right buddy well that was that was a great chat i'm so happy that you're uh you got things back on the straight and narrow and uh we're rolling and, and kicking ass again. Kicking so, uh, from the NFP podcast, presented by 3D Entertainment, uh, so happy to have you on the show. Our guest, Ty Prescott. Thanks, Ty. Appreciate it, brother. Tonight I'm prepared to die. Oh, 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 oh.
Block killed a man in Birmingham. That boy tried to rob me. I did not want to, but I had to show that boy the 